Would you please stand and raise your right hand. And what we're going to say, I want you to say it, really say it, because you're actually telling Satan what we're going to read right here. He tells us lies, we're going to proclaim truth. So let's start. Go. I fight the good fight of faith. I take hold of God's promises for me. I forget the past, and I don't let past mistakes condemn me. I do not give in to the spirit of fear. I have love, power, and a sound mind. I put on my breastplate of righteousness, for I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am a son of the Most High God. My father is Jehovah God, and his DNA is mine. I may be struck down, but I am never struck out or destroyed. I may be going through trouble, but I'm not crushed. I have obeyed God with my finances. Therefore, Jehovah Jireh, my provider, will supply all my needs. I do not worry, nor am I anxious, because Jesus has set me free from anxiety and worry. I forgive, release, and let people go who have hurt me. Therefore, I am forever set free. I am free from guilt, free from pain and heartache, free from worry and fear, free to go forward in the name of Jesus Christ. Praise God. Would only the best looking people be seated first? We're going to continue with this series, God can handle any problem you can face. And tonight we're going to talk about something called worry. And before you begin to contemplate, oh, come on, that's the best you got for us tonight, I want you to hold on because I'm going to explain to you what worry actually is. You may have not heard this before, you may have, but I'm going to tell you what God wants you to know. And tonight's sermon is God wants you to relax. Turn to someone and tell them that. So we start out with Matthew chapter 6, 34, and the Bible says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Irony that Jesus himself would say to us, do not worry. He obviously knows that's what we are doing. Worry is a problem, though, common to all of us, but some handle it better than others. And an unknown poet wrote about the worrier like this. He worried about the weather. He worried about his health. He worried about his business. He worried about his wealth. She worried about the children. She worried about her clothes. She worried about the neighbors. She worried about her woes. They worried about their taxes. They worried about their pets. They worried about their future. They worried about their debts. They worried, still they worried, they worried, but alas, they worried about a lot of things that did not come to pass. Every day, every day brings its own cares, and to anticipate is only to double them. We are to live for today, not tomorrow, because we're not there yet, and not the past, because it's gone forever. We are to live for today, 
We're not to worry about what could happen, what we think might happen, or what the news tells us. So God wants us to relax, and that means to loosen up, to unwind, to decompress, or to slow down. There's two words that I want to explain to you. One is called foresight, and the other is foreboding. Foresight is the ability to predict what will happen or be needed in the future. So you, you know that if you drive a car, you know you're going to have to get gas or change oil or rotate the tires if it's required. That's foresight. You're looking forward to those things. You know sooner or later your children are going to move up in grade school and they're going to go on to the next class. And the, the, the challenges with each class changes. You know these things have to happen. But foreboding is fearful apprehension, a feeling that something bad will happen. So I'm not going to ask who thinks like that. It doesn't matter to me. I want you to be aware of something worse than that. So I need you to comprehend that worrying about what's going to happen or thinking that it may be bad is actually crippling to you. And yet, we're pretty good worriers. We like to worry, we let worry happen, and we spend a lot of time thinking about tomorrow. The, the idea is, therefore, that worry or foreboding is forbidden for a Christian, but not the careful preparation for what is likely to come, but the constant occupation and distraction of the heart with gazing forward and fearing and being weakened. And this is not against a positive mental attitude or being contemplative about how you can prepare for the future. That's foresight. But it's to stop trying to live tomorrow or next week. It's going to come. If you don't live, you have nothing to worry about here. So the world's going to move on whether we're alive or we're deceased. But God is saying to us, don't waste today. Don't waste what you can do today. But I want you to know that worry happens in your mind. And that's exactly where demons go, in your mind and in my mind. That's where they attack us, not in the spirit, not in the, the body, but in the soul, which is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Today, we're studying the reasons which Christ gives for the absence of anxious care from our minds. Jesus is not advocating a reckless, short-sighted attitude to life. He is forbidding a worried fear which takes all the joy out of life. How many realize that worrying about a problem is not going to solve it? A few of you. Those of you that didn't raise your hand, are you worrying about your problem right now? I feel that tonight there are some people here who made a decision to change what they were doing and to draw themselves closer to God. But as soon as you've done that, it hasn't turned out like you wanted it to immediately, and so now you're second-guessing what you're doing. And I'll be explaining how this happens. But those of you who have made a clear decision, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm going to live for Jesus Christ. I'm going to obey God. 
I want to give you some confidence. I want to give you some energy that you're right where God wants you to be, and finally you're going to stop being stuck. However, just because you decide to follow God doesn't mean the world's going to stop or Satan's going to give up. Because if you've been doing what the enemies wanted you to do for a long time, don't think for a minute he's letting you go. So you are in a battle. But there's a way to get that victory. So worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. If something happened yesterday, say it with me. Say, let it go. That's exactly what you have to do. Why? There's nothing you can do about it. If you can, then take care of it. If you can't, let it go. Let it go. And some of us won't do it. Because if I worry about it, then at least I'm in control. You're not in control of anything, and neither am I. Only God is in control of everything. We're not. So again, worry is wasting today's time to clutter up tomorrow's opportunities with yesterday's troubles. Yesterday. <laughs> All my troubles seem so far away. Now it looks as though they're here to stay. Oh, I believe in yesterday. Hmm. Worry is needless. It's useless, and it's even actively injurious. Worry cannot affect the past, for the past is the past. It's gone. What happened yesterday, let it go. Let it go. It is not that a man or a woman can or ought to disassociate themselves from their past, but you ought to use your past as a prodding and a guide for better action in the future. In other words, don't live in the past, but learn from your past. And not as something about which you care about until you've worried yourself into paralysis of action. Equally, worry about the future is useless. Please remember the biggest troubles you've got to face are those that never come. Worry about the future is wasted effort, and the future of reality is seldom as bad as the future of our fears. Can I get an amen from one guy, one woman? <laughs> but worry is worse than useless. It is often actively harmful. The two typical diseases of modern life, because of worry, are stomach ulcers, gastrointestinal problems, the second one is coronary thrombosis. Thrombosis means to restrict. That means you're allowing plaque to get in your arteries and the blood cannot flow. You're headed for high blood pressure and heart disease, all from worry. And in many cases, both are the result of worry. So who taught us to worry? None of our parents said, come here. What? I need to teach you how to worry. <laughs> None of us. Nobody took a class or graduated from a course on worrying, but we've become very adept at doing it. Why? People, if they look at you and you're not worried, they say, doesn't that bother you? No. Well, what's wrong with you? Nothing. <laughs> I'm just not concerned about that. 
it happened, let it go. Say it again. That's what you have to do. But we don't know how to let it go. Because in here, we've grabbed onto it, and we think that by thinking about it constantly, we're going to change the outcome. You're not in control of anything. Turn to somebody and tell them that. Turn back to them and say, well, neither are you. <laughs> when you find that out, you're not in control of anything. Oh my God, what are we gonna do? Well, what do you wanna do? What are you hoping to do? We worry about classes, we worry about tests, we worry about grades, we worry about keeping a job, we worry about our pay, we worry about the prices of food going up. All this stuff happens anyway. Gas goes up, gas goes down. The weather changes, but we're worried. The news has us, if you don't have enough to worry about, watch the news. People from Texas, people from San Diego, people from North Carolina have called me and said, Pastor Mike, I'm really sorry. I go, about what? Well, I heard that everything's flooded around there. I go, there's no floods. But the news makes it look like, look like everything's being swept away because that's what the news does. And then you start worrying. God says, do not worry. Why? Because he's in control. The worry, go ahead. The worry which wears out the mind wears out the body along with it. Worry affects your judgment, it lessens your power of decisions, and it renders you progressively incapable of dealing with life. Let a person give his best to every situation. He cannot give more, and let him or her leave the rest to God. And that, my friend, is what we don't want to do when we worry. We don't trust God. We don't think God cares about us. We don't think God can handle this problem. We look at God through our problem and he becomes small instead of looking at our problem through God and our problem becomes small. We want to hold on to it. Why? What makes you so special about holding on to a problem that happened ayer? happened back then. You see an ex-girlfriend and you practically, excuse me for saying this, pee in your pants. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> you can't do anything about it. People tell you, I remember you. Great. You got a good memory. See you later. Because <laughs> they're probably not going to tell you something good. <laughs> Worry refuses to learn the lesson of nature. Now let this get into your melon. When God says, look at the birds, which we don't do because we're rushing out of our garage, making sure it's closed and getting to work before anyone else does and fighting the traffic. But Jesus, he bids us to look at the birds and see the bounty which is behind nature and trust the love that lies behind that bounty. If I take care of the birds, he says, what makes you think I won't take care of you? Well, my hair's turning gray. Well, thank God you've lived long enough for that to happen. Can I get an amen from somebody? Anybody. Worry refuses to learn the lesson of life. We're still alive. Our heads are still above water. And yet if someone had told us that we would have to go through what we have actually gone through, we would have said that's impossible. 
the lesson of life is that somehow we have been enabled to bear the unbearable, to do the undoable, and to pass the breaking point and not break. And we still don't say, I only made it because of you, because you were in charge of everything. Even if you fall into a stream and you, you've lost your ability to swim or recover, God will still take care of you. Even if you're stuck under on your automobile, God is still in control. But we go, yeah, but I don't want to be there. I'd rather just believe in God. But you have to be tested so that you can know. If you were never sick, you'd never know that he could heal. Give him a hand of praise. If you were never broke, you would never know that he wants to bless you. Give him a hand of praise. And since you didn't clap the way I want you to, if you found yourself ugly, you would never know that he can make you better looking. Come on. <laughs> Turn to somebody and go, I think he was talking about you. <laughs> the lesson of life, and I'll say this for the fifth time, worry is unnecessary. Isaiah said it this way long ago in Isaiah 26.3. You, Lord, give true peace to those who depend on you because they trust in you. So the entire purpose behind the problem is not so God can beat you up or confuse you. The entire purpose behind the problem is so that you can learn to trust him. You don't see him. I don't know if you talk to him. I don't know if you read the word, but thank God you're in church. But God wants you to know he can handle any problem. That's why we give testimony. Not testaphony, but testimony. Testimony is proclaiming that I was going through something that was difficult for me, but can I tell you what my God did? Can I tell you how God handled it? Come on, don't patty cake, church. Okay, here is where I'm going to grab you now. There may be greater sins than worry, but very certainly there is not a more disabling sin. Jesus said, take no anxious thought for tomorrow. That is the commandment of Jesus. It is the way not only to peace, but also to power. Now, if you said in your mind, okay, that's good information about worry. Thank you very much. But now I'm going to get real with you. So I want your attention. I want to make sure that you actually hear what I'm about to tell you. Because if you miss this, you'll go back to disabling yourself. Your mind controls your entire body. Your mind controls your entire body. You think that with your mind, 
You can even be somewhere and never leave your living room. You can see yourself there. Your mind can create things that you still haven't made, but everything that's ever been made, somebody saw it first up here, then they drew some plans. Then they had it developed. But your mind is a powerful tool, and God made it that way. So worry disables it. But you, every single one of you, men and women, regardless of your age, you have a powerful mind. You can imagine whatever you want. God gives us that ability. You can see yourself being successful. You can see yourself being prosperous. You can see yourself in good health. It all starts up here. If you have anxiety, stress, frustration, or doubt, you are ineffective as a warrior against your enemy. This is known as psychological warfare. You let something get into your mind that does not belong there, now it is controlling you. I've had you do this before. Put your finger on your forehead. It's your mind. Leave it there. It's your mind. It's no one else's. You control everything that comes in there. Okay, thank you. It's your mind. So I won't let you put things in my mind that I don't want there. Just like I won't allow someone to cuss me out because God doesn't cuss me out. I'll just walk away. Someone asked me on Friday night, Pastor Mike, where did you learn this ability that you don't let certain things affect you? And I say, because it's not God. It's just an uptight person. I don't know what they're uptight about. But nothing says I have to stand there and take it. And I won't let you put your finger in my, in my chest regardless of your size. Because God doesn't do that to me. So why would I let you? Who's understanding me? Okay, so you should be the same. So why would you let an enemy put thoughts in there that don't belong there? Or making you think God doesn't love you? Making you think you're a failure? Making you think you'll always be single, never be married? Making you think you have a horrible marriage? Making you think that illness, well, my great-grandmother had it, my grandmother had it, my mother had it, so I'm certainly going to get it. Where does those, those thoughts come from? Not from God. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, it is necessary, therefore, to cast all your cares upon Jesus because he cares for you. To say, Lord God, I've got this problem and I can't handle it. Actually give it to him and next week I'll show you how. He said, speak to that mountain Tell it to be cast into the sea and it'll go. But we don't do that, do we? Why? Because we think somebody might think we're idiots because we talk into a car or talk into a mountain. That's what God said to do. I don't care what you think. I don't have to answer that. I don't even know who you are. Why are you talking to nature, bro? None of your business, bro. <laughs> Whatever you're worried about, and I want you to clap because my notes say right here, they're going to clap on this. <laughs> Whatever you're worried about, God can handle it. God can handle it. God can take care of it on time and in a manner that will bring him all the glory. And once you begin to pray to him about what is troubling you, you give it to him and tell the Lord that, you know what, now it's your problem. One man 
his wife, they had lived a long time in marriage, and she died of an old age, and he had the, the pastor do the funeral, and they buried her, but he had problems with her all those years, and when he buried her, and they threw everything on the casket and covered her with the dirt, then lightning struck and thunder. And then the husband turned to the pastor and said, well, I guess it's his problem now. (laughs) Once you begin to pray to him about what's troubling you, even your spouse, you give it to him and tell the Lord it's now his problem. You answer the worry with the word of God and with prayer to change the thinking in your mind. These are the two solutions to combat worry. Praying to God about your problem and reading God's word. Get into the habit of doing what is necessary for a child of God to do. And you are what you think. The Bible says as you think in your heart, so are you. If you think you're worthless, watch this. Your thought life affects everything about you, how you act and how you feel and how you live. If you think negative thoughts, you're going to act in a negative way. Then I'm going to say, what is wrong with you? If you think sad things, you will be sad. If you think you're sick, you're going to feel sick. If you think you're worthless, you'll turn out to be worthless. If you think bad thoughts, you'll do bad things. But on the other hand, if you think godly things, you'll act more godly. Realize that Satan attacks you by planting his suggestions in your mind. Realize that Satan attacks you by planting planting his suggestions in your mind. So worry is actually satanic suggestions. He puts those thoughts there. And I told you that demons get into your mind. Once you worry about what he's planted there, you have now opened the portal or the entrance for demons to come in. And then all of a sudden your worry is increasing and now it's getting serious and crippling. And now comes the coronary thrombosis and the stomach problems. That's what they do. Worry, I'll say it again, Satan attacks you by planting his suggestions in your mind. Worry is satanic suggestions used to distract you from the goodness of God. Because all of a sudden, you feel that God has forsaken you, God has turned his back on you, and God doesn't really care about you. Where does that come from? That doesn't come from God's word. That's not what you hear at the pulpit. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. But Satan tells you you're worthless and you believe it. So what happens? You come to every single altar call we have. Why? When do you begin to grow? When do you begin to mature? When do you stop complaining? I'll be talking about that next week. By using... Your own wrong desires through temptation, Satan gets you to think about 
his ideas are really your ideas. So when you begin to worry about something, he's come in, and as you focus on that and dwell on that, you're getting further and further away from the light and the truth of God's word, and you're accepting the darkness. And then you wonder, how can I be a Christian and be so stinking miserable? Because you let him into your mind. It's your mind. You can control what comes there. Just because birds fly over your head, you don't have to let them make a nest. And Jesus, didn't he say, take no thought for tomorrow. Don't take that thought. When that thought comes, reject it. When that thought comes, don't accept it. Don't dwell on it. Don't try and figure it out. I get the weirdest temptations also. I go, good Lord, where did that come from? Well, I know where it came from. And it wasn't from my God. But Satan is constantly trying to get into your mind so he can control you. Because an immature Christian or an ineffective Christian is worthless as a warrior. And the psychological warfare of what they told you, you've accepted, and now not knowing how to combat it, you're weakening yourself. And where God died for you on the cross of Calvary, gave his life for you, you're supposed to become stronger, have more joy, and be more willing to help other people. Let's give him a hand of praise. He wants the best for you. But Satan wants to get in there. By using your own wrong desires, I'll say again, he gets you to think that his ideas are really your ideas. Well, how do we combat that? You withstand Satan with the word of God. He brings a lie, you bring the truth. You tell him, hey, fool, no weapon formed against me is going to prosper. Come on. You tell him, he says, you're never gonna make it into heaven. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior, and he lives inside of me. Well, you messed up when you backslid, or you messed up when you got involved in premarital sex. I already asked him for forgiveness for that. It's you that wants to keep punishing me for the same sin, but the blood of Jesus has already cleansed me from that, and it's gone forever. And if Satan can, he'll use people to remind you that you did something wrong. People say to me, what are you gonna do about that Christian that's smoking? It's not my problem. What am I, the smoke police? That's the Holy Spirit's problem. If he wants to take it away from them, he'll take it away, but I'm not gonna condemn them. Well, what about their drinking? I'm not going to condemn them. Other people wanna condemn, but why? I ask you, why do so many people want to control us? You died. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. Did you not? Come on, church. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. Only the Holy Spirit controls you. And maybe you're not where they think you should be. But at least you're not what you used to be. And so that person who comes up and, ha, 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 I remember you. Take their finger and break it. I'm glad you have a good memory, but I don't want to hear it. I know what I did, but I also know I went to God and I asked him by the blood of Jesus to wash me and cleanse me from that mistake. And it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. It's gone. 
why go back to the gate, grave, dig it up, and carry it everywhere you go just so you can make those people happy? It's not our responsibility to condemn people. It's our responsibility to love people. Love them to get closer to God. Don't condemn them. Don't restrict them. Don't put the brakes on and make Christianity a miserable life. When God says, I have come that you might have joy. Joy. And Satan doesn't want you to have joy. He wants you to worry. So tonight I want you to, whatever you're hanging on to that you haven't forgiven yourself for, I want you to come forward. I want you to kneel down and I want you to tell him, I don't want to carry this anymore. I'm tired of carrying it. I'm giving it to you. Oh my God, we can't give bad things to God. Well, who are you going to give them to? Him. He can handle it. Tell him, God, I just want to let you know that I know that you already know what I'm going to tell you. Because he does. You don't have to go into detail. When people come see Pastor Mike for counseling, whenever we finish the session and we prayed about it, I tell them, don't ever bring this up again to anyone. Don't ever bring it up. Because we've already asked God to forgive us for it. So let it go. I've told you that already. Let it go. Only go for things that make you stronger, make you more cheerful, make you a better person, able to help other people. Quit being a tool of Satan to distract or to discourage or to break people down and trying to control them. And it's ironic. You look at history, and when people became prominent leaders or very wealthy, then they try to control others. Why? That's Satan. That is Satan. Look at the large screen. Say this with me. My mind focuses its attention only on those things that I can do something about. If I cannot affect it or direct it, I don't accept it. I give it to God and go to sleep. Come on. Do you remember when we used to say, it's not my problem, man. Not my problem. If there's something that the enemy has beaten you and beaten you and beaten you up about, come up here and give it to him. We got just a few minutes before we dismiss. Come up and give it to him. Now, I'm not worried about who comes up. I'm not even looking. I'm not going to remember. And I'm not going to ask you what it's about. I just want you to leave it at the altar. And oh, the overwhelming never-ending reckless love of God and oh it chases me down fights till I'm found
Heavenly Father, as their pastor and as their shepherd, I pray this prayer for them right now. I ask that you walk to the quarters of their mind and remove any ugly memories that have crippled them. Take it away from their memory. I pray that as you walk forward, Lord God, that you put up pictures of peace, of love, and of joy. And I command you, Satan, to take your filthy hands off of God's property. Those of you here in church this evening, I now bless you. I bless you with God's peace. I bless you with God's joy. I bless you with God's mercy. I bless you with God's love. I pray that tonight you shall rest and wake up refreshed knowing that God was watching over you all night. If you were to go to him and ask him, Lord, do you remember what I did? He's going to tell you, I don't know what you're talking about. Because on that day in my book, the page is blank and nothing is there. Accept his forgiveness. Accept his love and mercy. I love you, church. Good night. God bless you.